it's Andrew Duncan here. This is the Agent Monday podcast. Hi everyone, thanks for downloading this episode. Uh, today we're going to talk about farming areas. And uh, But before we go too far into it, if you're listening to this online, make sure you uh, subscribe to the show. You can find it on Spotify or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Just look up Agent Monday. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you don't know what Agent Monday is, please go and check out agentmonday.com. It's a really extensive content library for property professionals with all sorts of training tips as well. So, without further ado, let's get into it. First of all, for any of you that don't know what I mean by a farming area, I should explain what that is. Uh, so, uh, I've my real estate career has always been in New Zealand, and we have things called farming areas, which is basically kind of a, a geographic location where you choose to focus uh, your prospecting efforts, or your marketing efforts, or maybe a collection of streets that you say, Right, I'm going to drop flyers in this area. I'm going to try and get to know the the people that live here and see if I can build a business in this location. Uh, it might be called other things in other places, but that's what we're basically talking about. A, a geographic location where you put a lot of marketing effort in to try and win listings. Very common approach, particularly for people getting into the business. Uh, with some real estate companies, you will be able to pick whatever area you want to be your farming area. Sometimes they're assigned to you. You know, you get given one by your manager. That's happening less and less from what I see in here, but it can still be the case. So um, if that's the if that's uh, the situation that you're in, I still recommend listening because you might be able to switch farming areas later on if your one doesn't match what I, what I say in this episode. Uh, or it might just help you choose where to focus your efforts inside that particular location you've been you've been given or you've been assigned because choosing the right location for your farming area can really make or break your business if you can build your name and reputation in a specific suburb that collection of streets can be a source of reliable business for years now it's tempting to think that in a world of social media and search engines uh, you know that the old school farming area approach might be a little bit outdated but I would argue the opposite. The best kind of real estate marketing is still, and probably will always be, a for sale sign with your name on it. A billboard that all the neighbors in that area drive past and walk past that says to them, you're the one doing the business. You start to get a few for sale signs going in the same area over kind of a three to six month time frame. And you become the local expert, the go-to real estate salesperson in that area. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're trying to achieve. So I think a farming area can be a really strong part of your marketing mix. It shouldn't be the only thing you do, uh, but you should focus at least some of your marketing efforts on a particular geographic area. One of the big benefits is it allows you to become a real expert in that location. You'll come to learn every sale, or you should do anyway. You'll start to learn who the owners are, who's thinking of selling, what the best and worst streets are. And that sort of knowledge is invaluable when you walk into a listing presentation, you know, up against the very best your competition has to offer. So if you have the freedom to choose where to focus your efforts, where your farming area is going to be, what makes a good area? Now, what I'm going to suggest to you in this guide might be a bit counterintuitive, so hear me out. In my experience, it's all about turnover and price range. 
The key attributes of an effective prospecting farm area are high turnover, you want an area that's targeted by first-time buyers, one where most of the potential sellers have not sold before, a location with simple home designs, one that's popular with investor buyers, one that's maybe considered less desirable by other salespeople, and close to where you live. Let's jump into each one of those in a bit more detail. First up, high turnover. Naturally, you want to focus your efforts in a place where houses come up for sale regularly. It's tempting when you jump into choosing an area to focus on the place with the big flash houses, uh, the, the big expensive sought-after suburbs. You might think, oh gosh, it'd be nice to get some of those houses to sell, and gosh, they'd be really high commissions if I sold those big expensive houses. But the problem is, when a buyer gets to those areas, like say oh, I buy a house in the flashiest suburb in town, that's probably my in-game house. <laughs> I'm not going to move from there anytime soon. I've been working my whole life to build up enough equity to get to that kind of property. So as an agent, you know, I can drop all the fridge magnets I want, but if you're going to be there for 25 years, what's the point, right? You're not going anywhere. On the opposite side of that, if you focus your efforts on a cheaper side of town, on a more of a high turnover area where people, you know, buy houses and then sell them in two or three years time because they have kids or they break up or they move to a bigger home, you know, you, you want to focus on those high turnover areas where people come and go and have a shorter tenure because more turnover means more sales. And more sales is, of course, what we're after. You want an area that's targeted by first-home buyers. Now, the benefit of that is those kind of markets are very resilient. Uh, when the uh, real estate market is doing poorly and when prices are falling or plateaued, it's generally that lower-end price range which is going to be the busiest part of the market. People are always wanting to get on the first-time buyer wagon. They always want to get started. Um, people are always getting married, having kids, you know, getting into that stage in life where they want to progress things, right? Where they want to take that next step, which is so, so often defined by buying a house. In a higher-priced area or in an area with second, third, fourth-time property owners, when the market gets tight, they can just sit tight, literally. They can just be like, well, I'm not going to move right now. Let's just put our plans on hold for the next three years. And suddenly everything can go very, very quiet. Not so likely in a first-time buyer-focused area. So wherever the first-time buyers are buying, that's where you want your farming area to be. Next up, you also want an area where most of the potential sellers have not sold before. So this fits with the first-time buyer type area. What are first-time buyers uh, when they decide to sell? They're first-time sellers. First-time sellers have no existing relationship with another agent. They might have brought through someone, but often that's a pretty fleeting relationship. They haven't been through selling before. They haven't cried on someone's shoulder as they you know, um, had to negotiate their way through a sale. They haven't been through the stress of an auction. They haven't been through that life-defining period of selling a home with anyone. And they haven't had someone, you know, get them a real whopper of a price who they think is suddenly, you know, God's gift to the real estate industry from then on. So you've got an easier time becoming that person's real estate agent if they don't already have one. So focus on, the, on an area where most of the potential sellers have not been through a selling process before. Next up, 
you want an area with simple home designs. Now again, this fits with the first home buyer location, the cheaper sort of price area. There's something wonderful about selling houses that have four walls and a single pitch roof with overhanging eaves and a simple guttering system. A, they are more likely to get a smooth ride through a builder support, uh, which means there's more chance that any deal you put together goes through. You think of the opposite, right? You get like expensive houses in a flash area and they've been architecturally designed and there's internal guttering and there's funny cladding that no one's ever seen before and they're built on the side of a hill up on poles and you know, you the, the builder turns up to do the inspection and your gut sinks because you just know there's going to be a million things wrong with the place. Whereas you get a stock standard, you know, weatherboard, simple 90 square meter home in the suburbs of Wellington and you've got a good chance any deal on that property is going to go through when the building inspector turns up. Most importantly though, if you sell someone a house that fits that criteria, they're less likely to have problems with it. Or if they do have issues, those issues are going to be cheaper and easier to fix. Which I tell you from a past client experience point of view is wonderful. If you can sell someone a house and feel reasonably confident that it's going to be a good buy for them, they're not going to discover it's a leaky home, you know. And if they do have any issues, it's not going to cost them, you know, an arm and a leg to to get fixed. It, it Sure as hell, you're going to have happier clients long term. So simple home designs stack up for a whole lot of reasons. So um, for me, in New Zealand, we had a really good period of home design uh, around the 1960s, where a lot of the houses were solid wooden framed, you know, weatherboard built um, properties. And, you know, so that's a, a kind of age range that you can focus on. If you look for that kind of area, you'll be you'll be in good stead. Another key attribute is, a, is an area which is popular with investors. Again, this fits with the first-time buyer type location. But the reason you want this is when the market's down, when the market's struggling, investors keep things moving. They will give you offers to talk to your own about. They'll turn up to your open homes when no one else would. They're, just, they're like the grease that just keeps the engine moving. And I tell you, when you've got a listing and it's proving hard to sell, and an investor walks in and gives you a low ball offer, you know, you welcome them with open arms because, hey, even if the property's not going to sell, at least you've got something to talk to your owner about, owner about. At least you can call time. At least you've got some action happening. On the flip side, if you're selling some multi-million dollar mansion in the flashiest part of town and the market tanks and no one's turning up and that owner is starting to question why on earth they're listed with you, that's a stressful situation. So investors can just be a real lifesaver when the market is tough. Keep things moving. So if you can target your farming area efforts on a location which is popular with investors, you'll always have a pool of buyers that you can talk to and that will um, help you create action on your listings. Now, lots of areas are first-time buyer type areas, but often a farming area might only be like 500 houses. So... Inside those larger first-time suburbs, where should you really focus your efforts? What should be your particular patch? I'm going to suggest you should target the area which is considered perhaps less desirable by other salespeople. When I was uh, up and coming in the real estate game, I worked in the northern suburbs of Wellington. And Newlands is um, one of those suburbs, and it's a very first-time buyer-type patch, but it's a big suburb. 
And so I chose to focus my efforts on a particular part of Newlands, which was very hilly, um, very steep streets. And uh, the properties were often on one side of a hill, so they didn't get very good sun at one end of the day, right? They might get really good morning sun, but no afternoon sun. Um, They might have tricky access up a number of stairs to get to the property. And you might think, gosh, that sounds terrible. But to me, I was like, okay, this is smart because all the other agents, if they got an appraisal opportunity in that area, they weren't excited because they would turn up there and be like, oh, it's a 30-stair walk-up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a terrible street. It gets no afternoon sun. And they would instantly be less enthused about that listing opportunity whereas I would come in and be excited because I knew what my strategy was my strategy was I'm going to go after the properties in the high turnover areas and you know what's special about houses with tricky walk-ups or on the side of a hill or on really steep streets they still sell but they often resell quicker because if you buy that property as your first home doesn't take long to get pretty tired of your 30-step walk-up with the shopping, especially once you start to have kids and once you start to have multiple kids. So you move quicker. So if you can target your prospecting farming area efforts on a location like that with maybe considered less desirable by other salespeople, still going to sell to first-time buyers, but quicker to resell, you're setting yourself up for success. You need to take a bit of a long-term approach and you might need to do a few appraisals you know, and listings on walk-up type properties, but I'm telling you, they still sell. And if you can focus your efforts on the part of your suburb that other agents aren't that enthused about, you're instantly giving yourself a leg up on the competition. Next up, pick an area which is as close to where you live as possible, or at least close to your office, Right? The further you have to travel to get to your farming area, the less likely you are to consistently market yourself in that location. And by far, the best type of farming area is one that you actually commit to and one that you actually regularly visit and regularly drop marketing pieces in. So you can... (laughs) And I should emphasize, this is by... Far and away the most important step. You can disregard all the previous stuff I said. You can pick the most expensive part of town. As long as you're going to actually drop stuff there and actually go to that farming area, that's the most important thing. But if you combine that with everything I've said, then you really are setting yourself up for success. So how often should you drop something in a farming area? My opinion, at least every fortnight. I know that might sound crazy. So what I would suggest to you is that rather than picking a really big farming area and saying this 5,000 house patches my farming area, pick an area which you can realistically get to every fortnight. So maybe that's 500 houses, maybe it's 300 houses, maybe it's 1,000 houses. But if you find that you're not getting there every fortnight, then it's too big and you need to scale it back. What do I mean by getting there every fortnight? I mean you're dropping some sort of flyers in that location every fortnight. And maybe you hire someone to to drop that. Maybe you hire a local teenager to drop the flyers around. That's fine. But ideally you're, you're driving through that area at least once a week, if not more often. Ideally you're familiar with every single listing in that location. 
Um, you've preferably been to see the owners of that property or you've, at least you've been to the open home and you've seen inside it. Uh, you know what's on the market right now. You've driven past that area every week so you can look out for skip bins, look out for scaffolding, people painting, looking out for people doing big yard cleanup so you can stop and talk to them and ask them if they're thinking of selling. You should know what the school zones are for that particular location, where the local playgrounds are, what the good streets are, what the bad streets are. You want to be a real expert in that particular spot and you need to be there as often as possible. So natural next question is what are you going to drop in this spot you know if i'm if you're going to drop something every fortnight what are you going to give to these owners so i'll run you through a few ideas first up agent monday articles are a fantastic source of options simply go to our feature articles page and pick any of the articles which talk specifically to sellers print it out onto an a4 page onto your company letterhead Hey, you could just leave it as simple as that. Print the print the article out onto a letterhead page, attach your business card, and put that in a letterbox. Simple as that. You can design it into a sort of fancy real estate newsletter if you want to. Canva.com have some really cool templates. You can go and check that out if you want to make it super fancy. But it's quality of the information that really matters. So there's nothing wrong with just printing the article out, maybe attaching your latest listings to the page as well staple it with a with a card of yours on the top um, and then you're good to go really it doesn't need to be complicated other options of things that you could drop off are recent local sales i can't stress enough how valuable this is your local owners want to be kept informed of what's actually happening and the more specific that information is to their area the better people love to know what houses have sold for near them so you can also drip feed this. So rather than printing out a list of the last 30 sales in Newlands and dropping that off, pick the last three and talk about what those properties had. Um, talk about what made them different and what made them get the price that they did. And then you can do that on a month-by-month basis. So you, rather than spitting out all the sales at once and not having something to drop two weeks later, just drip feed that information slowly. If you're nervous about publishing exact sale prices, give a sale price range. Say, you know, this property sold in the mid-900s. It was three bedrooms. It was on the market for 56 days and it was very popular with first-time buyers. Cool. Done. On to the next one. You can drop case studies. Case studies are where you've had a recent sale or your office has had a recent sale and you provide a little bit more info as to what happened. You know, what did the owners do to get that property ready for sale? How did you help them get it ready? Did you organize handymen, tradespeople, plumbers to get things fixed up? Um, how did you market that property? What, where did the buyer come from? Um, how many hits did it have online? How many offers did you have? How many open homes did you have? Really get into detail of what that marketing process was like. And if you can get a testimonial maybe from those owners and put that on the, the page case study as well, even better. What a fantastic thing to drop. You can redrop that a few months later as well. You can reuse that again and again. Another good thing to drop is obviously new listings. You could drop, if you've got a new listing, you could drop a flyer or like a little DLE card for that property. It doesn't even need to be in that farming area, but you should drop the flyers in your farming area. So many of you spend hours dropping marketing material around all these sporadic parts of your city 
and the people on that location never hear from you ever again. Hands up if you've ever done that before. <laughs> dropped a piece of marketing somewhere you've never dropped it before and then never dropped another piece in that area ever again. I can sure as shit tell you that's just not going to work long term. It's not going to get you the business you want. You need to pick a spot that you regularly, consistently focus your marketing efforts on. Fine if you want to do the just listed cards around your new listing. You know, that's fine. But you should also do it in your farming area. Same if you've had a recent sale, especially if it's in the general location. Maybe it's not in your exact farming area, but it's in the same suburb or it's in the next suburb over. Use that as an excuse to drop something in your farming area. If you can, try to build up a database of people that you know in your farming area. And if you start to get a list, even if it's only 20, 30, 40, 50 people, maybe you've met them at open homes and things, those people are like gold. And when there's a sale in your farming area, you want to text those local owners and tell them what it's sold for. Or maybe there's a new property on the market, you can text those owners and let them know. Or you can call them if you're on good good speaking terms with them. The other thing you can do is a neighbor's preview. My dad was always a big fan of this. If you get a new listing in your farming area, do a neighbor's preview before the first advertised open home. Preferably before the sign even goes up. Invite all the local neighbors to come along and have a look at this property before it hits the open market. Maybe you do it on a Wednesday evening after work, call it a twilight open home. This is a great way to meet neighbors. You'll be surprised how many people actually turn up. And you can sell it to your owners by saying that many buyers often come from referrals from other people who live in the area. Often your neighbors will know someone who wants to move to this location. So it's worth doing the neighbors preview to make people feel special. Because your vendors might naturally think, well, why would I just want all the all the neighbors come and have a nosy around my house, but it actually can be a really good source of buyers. So try and do a neighbor's preview if you can. Most importantly, before you drop anything to your farming area, ask yourself, is this useful to a local owner? Resist the urge to drop profile pieces with big photos of yourself or, you know, big look at me type advertising To my mind, that's just a waste of people's time. It's a waste of paper. You could really risk losing respect and you end up looking like a bit of a tool to owners in your area. For me, I think you want to always consider, is this actually providing value to my owners? And if it's not, don't drop it. That's why for me, you're better off dropping an Agent Monday article with, you know, simple black and white printing on your letterhead with a card stamped to it than you are dropping a puff piece you know with of, of a hey list with me with no other added sort of benefit to the seller whatsoever um, always always provide value in the marketing that you do that's how you stand out from the crowd all right that's all i've got on farming areas today if you have a specific question about this subject please get in touch. I love getting questions from you guys. It really helps me understand what you're battling with, what you need help with. This particular subject, talking about this, came from one of our members. And so I was really excited to chat about it today and share it with you. If you've got a question or a topic you'd like me to cover, contact uh, or email andrew at agentmonday.co.nz. And I'm excited to hear from you. Good luck with your farming area efforts. And I wish you massive success for the rest of the year let's uh let's make it a good a good finish let's really make the most of these last few weeks and and get a few sales before christmas 
Agent Monday is an exclusive content marketing club for real estate professionals. We give you helpful educational info to share with your audience and teach you how to use it to grow your business. To find out more, visit agentmonday.com.